Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue our study in Ephesians 6 this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord, seek his face. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy and reverend is your matchless name. Father, we come into your courts this morning with thanksgiving. How thankful we are for our Lord Jesus Christ, for full and free redemption in him, for righteousness in him, for forgiveness of sins through his blood. Father, how thankful we are. How thankful we are that you've been pleased to give us this opportunity to worship you. Father, what a blessing it is to be able to open your word, to read and study it, to to have Christ proclaimed from it. Father, I beg of you this morning that you'd send your spirit upon us and enable us to worship. Don't let us just go through the motions of religion. But Father, enable us to Hear your voice in the word and to worship. And what we pray for ourselves, Father, we pray for all of your people, wherever they might be meeting together today. Father, bless your word. For your great name's sake, for the good of your people. Father, for the sake of our country, for the sake of the world, that you might be pleased in this dark, dark day. Shine the glory. Christ our Savior forth. Call your people, call many, many people to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we dare not sin against thee in forgetting to pray for your people who are in deep waters and times of great, great difficulty. Father, we pray that your grace would be sufficient, that they would find that you fulfilled that sweet promise that your grace is sufficient for every trial, for every heartache, for every difficulty. And Father, we we pray that you'd be pleased to deliver them as soon as it could be thy will. And all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. It's for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. Now, my prayer has been since I began preparing this lesson this week, that the Lord will use this lesson to exalt our Savior in such a way that it will increase our faith in Him. And at the same time, now primarily that it will exalt Christ, it will cause us to look to Him, but, but also that this time will be very, very helpful because it's instruction that is good for our everyday lives. The subject is the workplace. I've titled the lesson Employees and Bosses. Now, I'm pretty sure that everybody here already knows what the Scripture teaches about employees, that we're to be honest, hardworking, industrious people. You all know that. A believer, you know this, should be the best employee in any business. Whatever business it is, we should be the best employee there. Our our boss should find it easy to supervise us. And a believer should be a great boss, too, if the Lord's put you in that position of responsibility, we should be great bosses to work for, fair and honest. Now, I want to give you four reasons from Scripture that that's true. Number one, be the best employee that you can possibly be 
Because if you're a believer, you're serving Christ himself. Look at, at verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, all of us see what the scripture is saying here. This is not something that's uh, difficult to understand. The Lord's telling us, serve your boss like you're serving Christ himself. Because you are serving Christ himself. That's who you're serving. You know, our boss is our boss because the Lord's put him in position over us. So we're to obey him. Now let me show you that in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter goes and takes this a step further in teaching us that this applies to a good boss or a bad boss. I've had my share both. And uh, at one time I was particularly struggling with a, a very bad boss. And I was talking to my uncle about that situation. And this was his advice to me. He said, you're always going to have good bosses and bad bosses. Sometimes you'll have one, sometimes you'll have the other. He said, just wait it out. <laughs> they always go somewhere else. If you have a good boss, enjoy him while you got him. If you have a bad boss, just wait it out. They'll go someplace else. Peter tells us here, when you got that bad boss, remember this, you're still serving Christ. You, you obey him. First Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Now just do what your boss tells you to do. What he gives you to do, do it. Now, let me say this. That does not apply. If your boss tells you to do something illegal or immoral, that doesn't, it doesn't apply. But unless it's illegal or immoral, do it. Just do it. Because that's what the Lord tells you to do. Now, I looked this word servants up. I never had looked it up before, and, and it has several meanings. And the first one is what we all would expect. It means one who gives himself up to the will of another. Servant, he does what his master tells him to do. But it also this word servants also means this. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Did you get that? One whose service is used by Christ to extend and advance his cause among men. Now that puts a whole new light in doing what our bosses tell us to do, doesn't it? Because by doing what our boss tells us to do, we're extending and advancing the cause of Christ among men. Totally different perspective, isn't it? And Paul tells us here, don't be the person. We've all worked with this kind of person. Don't be this guy who only works hard when the boss is looking over your shoulder. You know, that's what Paul says. When he says, don't, don't be men pleasers. Don't just work when the boss is there. You know, Work hard all the time because that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what they're paying you to do. Do the best quality work that you can do because that's what you're supposed to do. When they're paying you to do it, then do it. And remember this, I mean, if you, if you think, well, I'm going to work hard when the boss is, is looking. Well, you remember this, our Lord always sees what we're doing. <laughs> he always sees. Just do a good job because that's what you're supposed to do. 
And Paul tells us now to serve our bosses in singleness of heart. And that word means not self-seeking. You're not doing this because you're self-seeking. It's it's because what you're supposed to do is for the good of the company, you know. Now what Paul's talking about is attitude, isn't it? It's not just doing what you're supposed to do. He's telling us to do it with a good attitude. Now, if you trust Christ, if you believe on him, and you follow him, you do it with a good attitude, don't you? You follow him with a good attitude, with a thankful attitude. Well, have the same attitude in doing what your boss tells you to do. Do it with a good attitude. See what Paul says in verse 7? With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, don't do what your boss tells you to do. Just grumbling and murmuring about it under your breath because it's just, you know, that dumb guy. Don't do that. Do your job as well as you can possibly do it with the best attitude that you can muster. You know, last week I told our children that Scripture says obey your parents and do it with a smile on your face. Remember me saying that? Same thing applies to us employees. Do what our boss tells us to do. Smile on our face. Because we're serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. That's a mighty good motivation for a believer to be the best employee in the place. All right, number two. Be the best employee you can be. Because your work ethic reflects on your Savior. Now look first at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Your work ethic reflects on your Savior. 1 Timothy 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Now you honor your boss that that the name of our God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Look over a few pages at Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verse 8. He says, You sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient under their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not talking back, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Now why should you do that? That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, in all things. Here's what Paul is teaching us. People that you work with and your neighbors and so forth, people know. They At least they, they know the general tenets. They know the, the framework of the gospel that you believe. They know where you, where you attend services. They know the people that you... They know about you. Well, our actions in front of them reflect on what we believe. Our actions, how we conduct ourselves, is a direct reflection on the gospel that we preach and believe. And our actions, also how we conduct ourselves, also reflects on everybody else here. Don't they? They're going to think everybody is just like us. So do a good job with a good attitude. Be the best employee in the business. And if you do that, you're going to be a good representative of Christ. People will think well of our doctrine because they'll have a good opinion of you. You know, they'll see, well, boy, what, you know, what you believe, that doctrine that's in your heart, 
That moves you to conduct yourself well. It moves you to be an easy person to work with. They like working with you. They, they know they can trust you. They know they can trust you to do a good job. And if you don't do a good job, and you're lazy, and you just you work to find ways out of getting out of work. We've all worked with that guy, right? They work harder at trying to not work than they would if they just did the job. We've all worked with somebody like that. Well, if you do that, that's your reputation in the workplace. You're going to be a very poor representative of Christ. And people will think badly of our gospel because they think that gospel doesn't, doesn't make any difference. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any difference. And you think, well, no, 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 that, that probably really won't happen. Oh, yes, it will. And I'll give you an example. I've lived this. I worked with a man for years. And he made a point of telling people all the time, you know, how religious he was and what a theologian he was and how studied in the scriptures he was. And he would fill in preaching and, and uh, different things. That man is one of the laziest men I've ever worked with. He found every excuse in the book not to work. And every time there was work to be done, you couldn't find him anywhere. Well, one of our co-workers told me one day, he said, you know, that man invites me to go to church with him all the time. He said, I'd never go to church with that fella. I'd never go where he goes. I'd never listen to him preach because he's so lazy. Now he told me, he said, now I go, he, he knew I, you know, filled in preaching and things too. And he said, now I go listen to you preach. He never did. I mean, let's, you know, he never did, but, but that's what he said. That just tears at my heart. No, I know this. I know this just as much as I know anything. If God Almighty chose to save a person, they're going to be saved. God's going to cross their path with the gospel. He's going to make them hear of Christ. He's going to give them faith to believe Christ. I know that. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I also know this. If the Lord leaves any sinner alone, just leaves them to themselves, lets them have their way, they'll refuse to hear the gospel, they'll refuse to believe on Christ, and it'll be their fault. Now, I know that. I know that. But, you know, we preach to people. We preach to people. I mean, we're preaching the, the truth of God. We're, we're preaching the glory of Christ. But we're preaching to people. And you cannot preach to people if you don't care about them. You just, it can't be done. I mean, you, you can give a lecture. You, you, can, you can talk about the five points of, of Calvinism. But you can't preach to the hearts of people if you don't care about them. It can't be done. And I don't ever, 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 ever want to be the excuse that somebody uses to not hear the gospel. Do you? I don't ever want to be their, their excuse. I know if, if, if God left them to themselves, I know that they wouldn't come anyway. I know they wouldn't believe. I know they wouldn't come here anyway. But I don't want to be the excuse they use. I don't want to be a valid excuse. Do you? That's what Paul's saying here. How you conduct yourself on the job reflects on our gospel, reflects upon our Savior. Boy, that makes being a good employee very serious, doesn't it? <laughs> very serious. All right, now back in our text. Here's the third thing. Don't expect the Lord to bless you 
if you're not doing a good job at work. Just don't expect it. Verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now you do a good job. I mean, just the, the best that you can do, the best that your abilities allow you to do, you do a good job. And I'm telling you this, the Lord will bless it. The Lord will bless it. Now, Scripture's not saying, and I'm not saying this at all either, that, you know, you, you just work hard, you, you, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone, and eventually you'll rise to the top of the corporate ladder. Scripture doesn't promise us that. That promise is never in the Word of God. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll, you'll have success and those kinds of things because of your, your hard work, but that's not promised to us from the Word of God. But this is also true. Successful people, people who are successful, have something in common. You know what it is? They work hard. <laughs> They've worked at it to be successful. Now, I know plenty of believers who work hard. They do a very good job. I mean, you just couldn't ask for a, a better employee, a better person to work with. Yet they still live paycheck to paycheck. And that's most of us, isn't it? That's most of us. But you know what else? Those people who go out and work hard every day like that, you know, you know what else I see about them? I don't see them starving, and I don't see them lacking for the necessities of life. I don't. The Lord provides, doesn't he? As he promised. And again, this is, I mean, I saw this firsthand. I saw it in, in Mexico. In those times, I went to Mexico. Now, the people there are very poor. Very poor. The believers there are very poor. And I mean, the person with the smallest bank account in this room is rich, rich in comparison. But they're very poor. But you know what else I saw about the believers there? They work hard. I mean, they work hard. They got a job. All of them. Every last one, they got a job. Now, they might have travel out of town, live out of town, you know, Monday through Friday to, to work that job and then come home on the weekends. But they got a job. And they do other stuff. You know, they're making stuff. They can go down and sell it to market. They're growing stuff. They can sell it out to market. They all got chickens and turkeys and goats and all kinds. I mean, you know, they're, I mean, they're working at something all the time, you know, making a living. Some of them start their own business. And you know what, really? Their work ethic puts most of us to shame. It really does. Their, the effort that they put into Coming to the worship service puts most of us to shame. We got a hangnail, we don't come. They walk three miles. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. And you know what? They do it without complaining. They do it without complaining. You know what? The Lord has blessed them in their work. Now they're they're poor by our standards. They're still poor, but they live better than most people around them. They do. The Lord's blessed their work. Now, I know this. I'm not telling you just go out there and work hard and the Lord's going to make you rich. You know, he'll, he'll provide. He'll provide. But the flip side of that coin is this. The Lord's not going to bless Loth. He's not going to bless Loth. Don't ever be lazy and not work and not, not do the best that you can do and then blame your lack on God's providence. Well, God's just not been pleased to you know give me these things. You can't say that if you're not working. You, you can't say that. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, 
He says, even when we were with you, we commanded you this. Now this is the apostle. This is an apostolic commandment. If any would not work, neither should he eat. The Lord's not going to bless laziness, is he? He won't bless it. So let's work hard. Let's be hardworking employees. Now here's the, the fourth thing. And this is the thing I think will be a, a real blessing to you. Be the best employee that you can be as a picture of Christ our Savior. Now in these last few lessons we've been looking at, I've tried to show how every member of the family, and our responsibilities in our families, how every member of the family can be a picture of Christ. And, you know, if I understand my responsibilities and my role in the family as a picture of Christ, boy, that'll let me do it with such a better attitude, won't it? I showed you, I tried to show you how wives who are in subjection to their husbands, they're both a picture of Christ and a picture of the church. Wives who are in subjection to their husbands, they're pictures of the church in subjection to Christ. But they're also pictures of Christ the Savior who was in subjection to his father. Even though he was equal with his father, he was in subjection to his father. That's a picture of Christ. Husbands are pictures of Christ when we love our wives self-sacrificially. We love them, we take care of them, we cherish them. Do that as a picture of Christ, how Christ loves his bride. Children are to obey their parents. As a picture of Christ in his obedience. In his obedience to his father. In his obedience to his earthly parents. That's, do that as a picture of Christ. Fathers are to be pictures of Christ. As the head of the home. How we love and, and provide for and take care of and teach our children. We're to do that as a picture of Christ. Well employees are to be pictures of Christ. By picturing his work ethic. You know, the earliest recorded words we have of Jesus of Nazareth, the earliest recorded words we have of him. Wish ye not, I must be about my father's business. He was 12 years old. And he would not let anything get in the way of the job that the father sent him to do. 12 years old. And the job that the Savior came to do, whoo, it's a big one. He had the job given to him of his father of redeeming his sinful people. And he came to do it. And he didn't have to be coddled into doing it. You, we've all worked with people. Oh, they've got to be coddled and motivated and just got to be, you know, to, to do a good job. Not our Savior. In the harshest of circumstances, he would not be deterred from doing the job that the Father sent him to do. He told his disciples, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. He told them, I'm the Lord of glory. I'm your creator. You get breath from me. I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister. And how is he going to minister to his people? To give his life a ransom for many. And he wouldn't be deterred from going to Jerusalem to do it, would he? Look at John chapter 6.
John chapter 6, verse 38. The Savior says, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. I came to do the job that the Father gave me to do. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. This is the job he gave me to do. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now that's the job that the Father gave the Son to do. To redeem his people and not lose one of them. Not lose one of them. And raise them up again at the last day. Now how is he going to do that? How is he going to do that? By obeying God's law perfectly. And you know, that's just what he did every second of his life. In thought, in word, in deed, in motive, he obeyed God's law perfectly. And then, he had to suffer and die for the sin of his people. He had to die in the place of his people, pay the penalty of their sin for them. And you know what? He did it. And he did it willingly. They couldn't take him against his will. He made sure they knew that. When they came and said, you know, that mob came out and he stepped out. I mean, he wasn't trying to hide. He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. They all fell over backwards. Just laying there flat on their back. He did that just to show them, you're not taking me against my will. No, I'm going willingly. I'm going as a lamb before her shears is done. To put away the sin. This is what I want to do. This is what I came to do. He did it willingly. He did it with a good attitude. Does that thrill your heart? Oh, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he did that for you? You who believe. Think of the effort that the Savior put in to redeeming you. Think of it. Isn't it an honor to go imitate that? God's given you an honor to go imitate that work ethic when you go to work tomorrow morning. In Luke 19, verse 10, the Savior said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, he has a people scattered over this whole creation from every generation, every era of 6,000 years of human history. He has a people scattered, lost all over that creation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did everything it took to save every one of those lost sheep, to save them fully and completely. And he will not rest until every one of those lost sinners is found and brought to him. He's going to find them. He's going to find them. They're lost. They don't know. They, they don't even know they're lost. He's going to find them. He's going to bring them to hear of him, to hear the gospel, to hear of him, give them faith to believe him. And then he's going to bring them all the way home. He won't rest till it's done. Now, aren't you glad he's that determined to save you? Huh? Aren't you glad? Isn't it an honor to go back to that salt mine tomorrow morning and imitate that work ethic? Whether you got a good boss or a bad boss, it's an honor to imitate that, isn't it? And as I said a minute ago, our Savior did everything that he did with a good attitude. In Psalm 40, verse 8, the Savior said, I delight to do thy will, O my God. He didn't say, I'm doing it because I have to. I'm doing it to earn a paycheck. I'm, I'm doing it because my sinful people, I can't be saved without it. They're, 
They're such a burden to me, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, he didn't say that. He said, I delight. I delight to do thy will, O God. I delight to save my people so that not one of them is lost. He delighted to do it. Look back at Isaiah chapter 42. Our Savior, he made sure that everything he did pleased his Father. He made sure everything he did lived up to the standard of his Father. And you know what his Father's standard is? Perfection. Perfection. Isaiah 42, verse 1. This is what the Father says of his Son. Behold, now look at this. Behold, see, my servant, whom I uphold, Mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him. He should bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. Till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Now that's what the father said. Behold my servant. This is what he's come to do. Well, he did it. Then look what the father says about him in verse 21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. The Savior came to obey the law for his people. And he magnified it. By him keeping it, he glorified the law. He magnified the law. He pleased his father so well that the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake, for the sake of his perfection. Our Savior had such a work ethic. He did absolutely everything. He didn't leave one thing off the to-do list. He did everything that the father gave him to do perfectly. And he refused to rest until the job was done. And you know when the job was done? After he'd established righteousness for his people. After he hung on that cross, made his soul an offering for sin. When sin was finally atoned for, when the transaction was finally done, before he gave up the ghost, he made sure we knew this. He cried it. It's a cry that echoes through the ages. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. The job's done. The salvation of God's elect is accomplished. All of his people have been made righteous. That puts a whole new light on how we do our job. Maybe we can go back to work tomorrow with a little better attitude. (laughs) About getting up five o'clock, be at work on time. Because it's a blessing. I won't go into all the, the, the ways, but you, you, you know this is true. It's a blessing to have a job. It's a blessing to have something to do. God's given you something to do. And it's a blessing to go to it and be a picture of our Redeemer, of our Lord. Now, very briefly, let me give you this on bosses. Verse nine, back in our text. Ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. If Lord puts you in a supervisor's role, now you be fair. 
be fair with people. Now, I'm not saying just let people run over you and not work. No, no, you, people got to work. You, you hold them to accountable for what they were supposed to be doing. But you be fair. Be fair with them. Remember this. Remember how our Lord and Master treats us. If you have employees, you have people work for you, you pay them well. Pay them as much as you can possibly pay them. And treat them well. Treat them well. Make them glad that they work for you. You know, it is shocking how much this phrase from a boss means. Thank you. Thank you. I supervised people for, for quite some time. And on Fridays, you go hand out paychecks. And pretty soon, it just got to be stubs. You know, they everything's electronically deposited. But you give them a stub. And that's so why always put that check in their hand and say, thank you. Thank you. You'd just be amazed how far that goes. I'll leave you to your to your own uh, thoughts and prayers on developing more about being a supervisor. But be be a good one. Be a good one. And here's a here's a good guide for both of these things. Whether you're a supervisor or an employee, listen to this statement from Matthew Henry: A steady regard to the Lord Jesus Christ will make men faithful and sincere in every station of life. (laughs) Whatever station you're in, you'll do it better if you have a steady regard to Christ our Savior. I think that's good, don't you? All right, I hope the Lord will bless that too.